Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and it's an honor to work with the great people at the ECNL who bring us another great show. Let's hear what we have. This is Jason Cutney, proud to be the ECNL Boys Commissioner and proud to be a part of this week's edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, as I'm joined by two of the superstars of the Simmons Super Soccer family, Cameron and Nick, the daughter and son of Greg Simmons. And this is Cameron Simmons, member of the Jamaica Women's World Cup soccer team and University of Tennessee. And this is Nick Simmons, proud member of the Richmond Kickers of USL League One and 2023 ECNL U17 national champion, Richmond United. The table is set. The interview is fantastic. And it even includes a special guest appearance from Jason's six-year-old daughter. Pretty neat. You'll enjoy it. And it starts after this message from the ECNL. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country. With a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. I am Dean Linky, but as you just heard, I proudly turn over today's keys to the ECNL Boys Commissioner, Jason Cutney. And thank you very much, Dean. This is Jason Cutney, ECNL Boys Commissioner. I'm very excited to lead this conversation this week with the son and daughter of a former teammate of mine, Greg Simmons. Greg, someone that I played with with Charleston Battery many moons ago, one of the best players and more importantly, best people that I was ever around in the game. And we're very blessed to have his daughter and son here with us today. They both have had what I would absolutely consider to be banner years Nick just came off of an ECNL national championship with the U-17 Richmond United team. First ever ECNL national championship on the boys' side for Richmond. After a pretty stellar run through the playoffs in Greensboro, which also upended Pipeline. And Pipeline was one of the top seeds coming into that event. So certainly happy to have Nick here. Nick just came off of a week with us in Chula Vista, California last week, where he was in the ECNL Conference Cup amongst one of the 90 top players in the league. And then Cameron, you know, just a little thing. She happened to be in Australia and New Zealand this past month and just happened to be on the Jamaica Women's World Cup team. So a big honor to have both of them here today. Welcome, Nick. Welcome, Cameron. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start this off. I don't really understand how Greg didn't ruin you guys and you've turned (laughs) out to be such successful soccer players. No, I'm kidding, of course. Greg runs one of the top futsal training development programs in the country in Richmond. So let's just start there. Just, Just kind of give me a little bit of that background for both of you. You grow up, you're in the gym, basically with your dad, not necessarily lifting the weights, you're, you're on the ball, you're on a futsal court quite a bit. But Cameron, 
you started this in a different way in the sense that you were a gymnast. Yes. Explain, how, how do we go from the gymnast to the soccer star that's in the World Cup? Let's take it back. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, there was no doubt that soccer was always the center of our lives. I just didn't really latch on and love it the way that Nicholas had at a younger age and then my dad. So I was just kind of around, playing around, not really taking it serious. I was, like you said, more into gymnastics, was taking lessons, but it was until I was just in the backyard practicing a little bit and attempted to do a back handspring and broke my elbow. And so after that, I just was kind of like, you know what, this might just be it in the gymnastics realm for me. And it was kind of around the same time in 2015, the Women's World Cup was on. I think it may have been the same summer, but after watching that, the crowd and commentators and watching the U.S. women's team, like that just kind of caused a click for me. And that's when I was like, okay, I kind of want to get more into this, take it serious. And then I did. And my dad was just ready to help me, really. He didn't ever pressure me, force it on me, which I think is kind of what helped me get to where I am now, just because that love has to be able to form on its own. Like you can't outside forces and voices and people can't really force that on you. So for him to just kind of let me figure that out has definitely allowed me to grow the love and the passion I have for it now that has helped give me the push to get to where I am now. What do you think, Nick? You're a, I'll say this, you're a, you're a big kid on the field, right? You're, you're, you got the size, you got the muscle on you, similar to your dad. I know you weren't always that way. You weren't always the, the big, bulky, uh, muscle-bound player that you are right now, but your feet are exceptional. Is that a result of having that futsal training? 100%. From a young age, just being around my dad, everywhere we spend probably four or five hours a day at the training facility. And that doesn't necessarily mean the whole time I was doing intense training, but no matter what I was doing, I was there and I had a ball. And I think that definitely helped me to where I am now, just being comfortable on the ball and just mastering the ball from a young age. I think that technical foundation has stayed with me through every level that I've made to so far. So I would definitely say that. And to add to her, I think he did exceptionally well with letting us find love for the game ourselves. And I think that's important because one thing you can't force on a player or a child is a love for a game and the passion. That's one thing you just can't force. So I think being able to find that for myself and then him being there just ready to give me that push I need to get to where I want to be was just really important for me and her too. Well, it's interesting because I think, you know, in some ways after talking to your dad about your childhood for both of you, you're, you're in some ways both kind of late bloomers in the game, right? I mean, Cam, in the sense that you were a gymnast until I think it was U12, maybe U13, yeah. where you turned to soccer. And nowadays, you know, in this country, we have this big belief that everyone's got to specialize from like diapers on. And right. it's really cool to see athletes that come up with another, a passion for another sport and then find their way into the game. And, and look, if you're starting as a U12, and then I believe you started at the kind of the lower ranks of within yes. that diapers organization. And similar to you, Nick, right? You didn't, you didn't start at Richmond United. You had to work your way up in, in a couple of years of disappointment and finally getting, mm-hmm. let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I think the resilience factor is such a big part of an athlete making it to the highest levels of whatever sport they're in. The more books I read, the more that kind of reinforces that fact that unless you hit those speed bumps along the way, 
you'll never get to that smooth sale. And so we'll start with you, Nick. I mean, give me that background in you and, and kind of how you got to Richmond United ECNL because it took you a few years to get there. I started ADP around seven, eight years old, just playing. It's mainly pickup, not a whole lot of games, but just that small-sided, you know, what the kids do. So I did that. I was okay where I was. And I think U9, I was on a team, but I was, it wasn't the top team. It was strikers and it wasn't the top team, but I was still having fun. Didn't really understand that it wasn't the top team at the time. And I think the first time it hit me was U11. So I had to jump from U9 to U11 because of the change in the rules by birth year and not graduation year. So during U9, I'd made like fourth team for strikers. And I remember that being devastating. I wasn't always the most dynamic on the field, kind of slow, kind of lazy. Yeah, I wasn't happy with where I was. So I just, just kept training, kept getting into own touch and kept focusing on just improving. And then next year I made the top team for kickers and went over to kickers Academy and then one more year with kickers. And then after that, I went to Richmond United. What age were you when you finally made that move to Richmond United? U14. Oh, so there you go. Cam, I've heard a story. I don't know if this is true. I heard when uh, when Aaron Bruner, a good friend of mine, brought you into Richmond United, I heard you were playing as a center back. So I, I want to understand and uncover that a little bit as well. Let's hear from you. Yeah, so I started off with Richmond Strikers. I started off just playing rec. Like, really was nothing serious at all. I mean, enjoyed that and just kind of you know, decided that I kind of wanted to take a step up and try out for the travel team. And, you know, similar to Nicholas, out of four teams, I made the third team. At the time, I was like, okay, you know, first year of travel, let's just see how this goes. Ended up loving it. And then within that same first season, I was invited to train with the second team. I played in a game or two with them, eventually was just on that team. And then come the next year, now that was U12, Due to my birth year, I'm a late 03, so I just didn't play U13. I kind of just jumped right to U14, being the youngest on the team, and that trend kind of continued throughout the rest of my youth soccer career. But yes, the next year for U14, I then made the elite orange team, which is the top team. And then within that season, I got invited to train with Richmond United with Aaron as kind of a forward answer back at the time. And so my first official year with Richmond United on the team fully was U15. That is kind of on the order side. I'm pretty sure that was either eighth grade or my freshman year of high school. So I was definitely kind of going back and forth from forward to center back. Aaron, um, that first U15 year, I played more forward. But as soon as Aaron Brunner was my coach, U16, I played center back that entire season. So it's kind of a back and forth type thing. And to get him back that next year, I think you dumped in like 26 goals from what I understand in the UCNL. So you showed him what a center back can do when they when <laughs> put the leash and get and get wild up there up top. So sure, sure. I know that opened some doors for you on the college side as well. Now at University of yes. Tennessee. So uh, excellent there. I, one thing before we take a quick little break here, I'm interested on when whenever we have, you know, this is this is rare for me anyway to interview two children from a former pro same household here in terms of that, you know, that dynamic growing up with a professional mentor in your life, right? A father figure, but also a, a former pro. And then mm -hmm. I, I believe it was your mom's father who played in the NFL for years, right? So 
you have obviously some lineage there in terms of pros. What's that influence like in the household, right? And, and this is interesting for me to hear because as a former pro player, I have two daughters in the house right now as well. And so I'm trying to make sure that I'm not a, a lunatic soccer parent that's trying to make them the next pro unless that's something that they aspire to be and, and are on that trajectory. But what's it like growing up in that household? How is your dad and, and your mom in that sense? Because I know she was a track athlete as well. What was that pressure like versus how did they provide the compassion and support to get you where you are now? Yeah. yeah. Um, honestly, I feel like if there was a master class like course way to do it, I feel like they did it the perfect way in terms of providing the support, but also the push, because I mean, once I kind of said, you know, I want to take this serious. My dad was like, okay, let's go. You know, he was always holding me accountable. He let me know what it was going to take. You know, I remember telling him, um, you know, I want to play in front of thousands one day. And he said, okay, make sure you keep that energy then. And so it was kind of a way to, yeah, like I said, hold me accountable, but also provide me that push because I know there's obviously as kids, there's some days we're not going to want, so we don't want to, we don't feel like always going out and training, but like for him to always constantly let us know how important it is to stay on top of that, stay on top of the technical side, because I mean, it's one thing to be strong and fast, but you're not really going to get far if all you do is kind of kick and run. You've got to be able to have that touch. You've got to be able to dribble through tight pressure situations and beat players one v one and, you know, get back and create something for yourself or your, or a teammate. So, yeah, I mean, just to be able to have his perspective um, at all times, there was always premier league on in the house or in the less something like that. Like it was just the perfect amount for me to see, you know, what it was going to take. And then my mom just being the perfect type of mediator because sometimes you know it's not always going to be perfect it's not always going to be hugs and kisses you know great job today like there were some very tough tough post-game conversations and you know my mom was just kind of that one to give a hug and a kiss and sometimes you need that you need the perfect balance of both you need the hard like okay this is what it is you got to be better next time if this is really what you want as well as some loving as well so I'll let Nicholas kind of expand on that. But for me, I just don't think that things would have gone as smoothly if they didn't play their roles as well as they did. It was never the goal. I think, I mean, you always want to have a kid who goes pro or a kid who's excelling in a sport. But for me, I never felt like that's all my dad wanted for me. And that definitely not my mom. I think they were just regular parents that were just loving and I've always loved the game. I grew up around it, early mornings watching Prem, playing pickup always, watching my dad play pickup. I just grew to love it. And when I really made the switch to commit to the sport and I told him I want to go as far as I can go in this game. And that's really when he made the switch to, okay, I'll let you find your, I'll let you find your passion for the game and I'll let you find your love. But now like you need this, extra push if you want to if you really want to get to where you want to go so I think that that's what he did and there was definitely some tough times some tough tough talks but they're necessary in my opinion and I think out of everything the biggest thing he preached is effort mm -hmm. he, every time you step on the field he just wants to get a 100% effort if everyone has a bad game he understands that he knows that because he played so I think it's definitely very important 
to have him and to have his have his experience. But I definitely I don't think it's something that's like overbearing. I think both of us can handle it. All right. Well, that's a great first segment here with Cameron and Nick Simmons. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors here on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Huddle is a proud partner of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Huddle's powerful yet intuitive solutions make it easy for coaches and athletes to be at their best. And now it's more affordable than ever. All ECNL clubs can get 25% off on Huddle and Huddle Assist, the game breakdown solution. Clubs of 10 teams or more can take advantage of the exclusive ECNL club package pricing. This bundle includes Huddle and Huddle Assist for every team and makes your club eligible for Huddle Focus Flex the all-new portable smart camera with full huddle integration at one affordable price. You can bring the best end-to-end performance analysis platform for soccer today. Just go to huddle.com slash pricing slash ECNL. That's huddle, H-U-D-L dot com slash pricing slash ECNL. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. We are back with Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. This is Jason Putney, the ECNL Boys Commissioner. I'm here with Cameron Simmons and Nick Simmons, two individuals who have had an unbelievable year, as we talked about before the break, with Nick being an ECNL Boys national champion with the U-17 Richmond United team, and Cameron just coming off a World Cup with the Jamaica women's national team. Also, it should be noted that Cameron was on the field for Jamaica's first ever win in the Women's World Cup. So in terms of a milestone in your career and just something that you'll never forget the rest of your life, take us through two parts of that. And I want to I kind of understand the psyche of you in, in that moment, because I was watching that game. I was watching that game with my daughters. I felt choked up for Greg because I, I knew Greg was certainly crying in that moment. But you're checking on. And then when you hear the final whistle, talk me through those two moments. Yeah, honestly, it was just surreal. Like I really am still struggling to kind of put in those feelings into words, but warming up on the side and just being so engaged in the game and trying to cheer on my teammates and kind of knowing what was at stake because, I mean, we pulled off you know, the point against France that probably people weren't really expecting. And we knew that if we did want to continue on, then we needed to get three points against Panama. And just knowing that we just came off our first ever point and now we have the opportunity to pull off 
first ever three points our first ever win like the stakes were so high but one thing about this group and this is something that I will take away and like really cherish was just the focus and how determined everyone was to really get the job done like I've never really experienced anything like it the way that all the nerves all the noise the stakes just kind of mellowed out because we were all there on that field for one thing and one thing only like we were playing for each other we were playing for the nation our staff like everyone was there on the world's greatest stage and this was the moment this is what players dream of and so it was just an energy shift that was honestly something that like I've said I've never really noticed or experienced before but hearing my name called for the first time just it honestly was kind of a relief because being called for this team was a dream come true in itself, but obviously stepping on the field is just an extra step. That's just something to kind of make the experience whole, you know? And so knowing that this opportunity was coming for me, like all the nerves and anything that I was feeling going in just mellowed out. I was just so ready to just go on and hold this win, hold this three points and hopefully even add to it. Yeah, going in and getting my first touch and all of that just it was a full circle moment because it just kind of reminded me of everything that I've put in to get here. And knowing that my dad and my grandma were in the stands, it just all felt like this is what it's all like. This is what it's all about. You know, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than every. It's just something unexplainable, really. Being on the field when that actual whistle blew and seeing the body language of my teammates and the staff on the sideline it's I yeah I still can't even really find the words it was the one of the proudest I would say it is the proudest moment of my career this far being a part of this team to make history the headlines already knowing the attention and the fans that we have gained from the first game and then for this moment to be actually a part of it like I said like it just all kind of hit me this is what it's all about this is why I go so hard and this is why my dad goes so hard and my family and everyone pours so much time and support and love into this. Like I said, it's just, it's bigger than me. It really is. And you got in, right? And that, I, I remember watching early into your, uh, your, your minister, you got in and, and you scared the life out of us because you went <laughs> down after a late tackle. Yeah. Hammer cuts away from you. We don't know yeah. what's going on. I'm thinking, oh my God, what, what, is she all right? Is she all right? And it comes back and you're, you're fortunately all good for the corner that, that swung in there. But I can only imagine, you know, when, when you get played in a situation like that, I'm, I'm sure the adrenaline takes over because that goal. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that, that's one of those moments there. And, and look, if, if that's your proudest moment, I, I certainly think that is probably anyone on this planet's proudest moment if they have a situation like that in their own life. So kudos to you on that. Nick, let's turn to you here. You're, you're in a different phase of your career you are right now trying to impress a lot of college coaches, right? You just came out of Chula Vista where you were at the conference cup with us in ECNL. You had a bunch of college coaches there, some of which were your coaches in the actual event, like, you know, Georgetown, UCLA, George Mason, all these coaches are there. So how do you balance that, right? Because the you think about it from the standpoint of an ECNL national event, right? You're there with your team, you know, your teammates, you know, the style of play, You've been practicing and getting ready for that event to play a certain way. And then there's the obvious pressure of just performing really well for your team, right? Then you go to playoffs this year where your team is now counting on you to be the man, to be a goal scorer. 
right? You have one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best goals in Norco when you kind of took on three different people inside the box, just keeping your composure the entire time before tucking it away. Uh, I told your dad it was a true futsal moment right there after I watched it live. But you have that, but then you go to Conference Cup, right? And Conference Cup for me is a little bit different. As a player, former player, you look at this and you say, okay, now you're around the best of the best. Okay, so Cameron was just around the best of the best in the world in a competition. You're around the best of the best in an environment where everyone's looking to see who is the best of the best of the best, right? And so how do you enter into an event like that? What gets you ready for that? And, and how is your mindset going into Chula Vista this year? Obviously, I knew and had played against some of the players on my team. My mindset going into the tournament was I just wanted to just let the nerves off as quick as possible and just be calm and just be in the moment because I play best when I feel good and I'm confident. But I just wanted to just like get the cobwebs off early. And my team actually did that really early with our first training session. We clicked fast and we were training well. I would say I just wanted to, I wanted to go in and I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to just see how I compared to the other top players in the nation in ECNL. I was really happy to do that. Yeah. And you certainly did very well there. I mean, you, you performed every single day. I was fortunate enough to see it there with my own eyes. I, I think the, the, the things that I take away from events like that is just seeing the camaraderie of the players, right? How quickly you guys gel, because that makes a big difference. But the other side of it, and, and this was an interesting thing for me, having come just out of playoffs and finals, was seeing the players that performed very well through playoffs and finals and then going into a situation like that, right? There was, there was a few players there that had fallen just short of a national championship this year. And that's a different psyche when you enter something like that versus you who's flying high coming off of a national championship. How much do you think that plays into it as well? Because being on a winning team, winning, uh, winning at the national stage helps individuals prepare for what's next, right? How do you think coming out of finals this year and that, that stage that you were on when you were raising that trophy, how do you think that helped prepare you for Conference Cup? I think it was definitely reassuring going in there, knowing that my team had just won. It was feeling good, fresh off the championship. So I just wanted to go in and just, just feel good. Just go in and just early, just show what I can do, perform well. The setup was amazing. Everything was there for the players to perform. The biggest thing was just the confidence boost of being in the championship, but also not letting that go to my head and know that I still have to work and perform. That's the biggest thing for me. Makes sense to me. When you think about athletes playing at the highest level and, and having those moments, you also go back. I go back in my own life. I don't know if you guys even know what mail is because back in my day, you actually had to get mail in the letter. And the letters came in the form of, you know, a, a you made it versus you didn't make it because you didn't even have emails back in the day. So I remember having U.S. soccer and, and waiting for U.S. soccer to send me a letter in the mail. So here's me as a little kid running to my mailbox every single day to find out if I made it on the, whether it was a state team, the regional team, the national pool, national team, things like that. And always trying to check the mail. When it came to those moments in life, Cameron, it's different nowadays, right? So I'm sure you didn't open a letter in the mail necessarily that told you you were uh, on the Jamaican women's national team going to the no. World Cup. Now you were with the U20s, right? You had experience with the U20s over this last year and a half. But talk us through that moment because it's been a really cool to see pro players 
in this last few years capture that moment on video, right? And like getting that phone call from where I, I remember mm-hmm. you us to Michelle and all these phone calls from Blocko to the different women that that got that call. Take us through that moment for you. It's really special, I think, to for everyone to experience what you experienced. For sure. So after um, we were in camp in Jamaica, my mom, my cousin, and my grandmother, my dad's mom, um, stayed in Jamaica for another few days just to vacation a little bit, knowing the summer that I had ahead, I requested that we stayed um, a little bit on on a beach. It just kind of chilled um, a little bit, but that date overlapped with the date that they would be releasing the roster. We didn't know how it would come. We didn't know if it was going to be an email or a phone call or what, but um, I was actually on the beach in Montego Bay when I checked my phone and just saw the swarm of, oh my gosh, congratulations. And I was like, wait a second, what's going on? You know, <laughs> like I was just so... Lord and I was like, wait, is this what I think it is? And then I ended up opening the email and just saw my name on that roster. And just immediately we were just celebrating, screaming, jumping up, looking like fools on on the beach. But it just, you know, you had a feeling, you know, everyone is praying and hoping that it all goes one way. But once it's actually official, it's official. And I just knew like, you know, hard work starts now, even though it's so much has been put in already. But this is it, you know, there's, this is the green light. This is my moment, you know, to really show what, what I got and knowing that what was at stake, what, what I was going into, I didn't even know, you know, going into the world cup, I guess my experience there was nothing like what I was expecting it to. I don't even know if I had expectations, but it was a very, very special moment to share with my cousin, my mom, and my grandma in Jamaica. And of course, as soon as I saw my name called my dad immediately, even though the service was bad, I think he could understand what I was saying. Um, (laughs) But um, as soon as I got on some Wi-Fi, we talked more and just shared our excitement. I think your dad had posted something, but talk me through uh, your grandma and what this meant to her, because I think there was a kind of a commitment made to her at some point. So uh, let, let us hear about that. I mean, she has been so supportive and it's obviously hard that she is in Jamaica. She's lived there. Um, we obviously try to go down there as much as we can and vice versa. But I think this one just is so personal for her and is really close because she's there and with my grand father and they are huge fans of the reggae girls and just have always been watching and they knew how much you know even my grandpa playing international soccer for Jamaica and my dad it was just kind of a full circle moment so this moment was just extremely special to be able to share with her because she I mean like I said it's just so personal and so close to her so the fact that she was there the excitement that she felt and for me to experience that with her was just something very very special because being here and so far and Nicholas and I having so many high moments in our career and her not able to experience that with us obviously we can tell her over the phone but it's not the same as that face-to-face you know able to give that huge huge hug and just really truly celebrate like that was just something that I think I'll cherish forever. It was just a moment that you wish you could share all the big moments with every single last one of your family members. But the reality is um, it doesn't always work out that way. So to be there with her in that moment was just the best. And to see her that excited was just, you know, 
warmed my heart and got me even more excited. So it's always amazing to share these things with family. I think the uh, one of the funniest parts of me coming out of Conference Cup in Chula Vista was the day that I I was talking to Nick. We were walking out of the uh, the dining hall, and I I mentioned you and all of his teammates were walking with him at the time, and. They, they started busting on Nick saying Nick waited until day two and a half to tell them that his sister mm. happened to be playing in the World Cup. So <laughs> Nick, I'm sorry to rub that in your face here right in front of your sister, but uh, you, you caught a little bit of flack for that. But Nick, let's, I mean, this, this is pretty rare, right? You talk me through this. You're a soccer player. You're playing at a high level. You're getting a lot of accolades yourself. You signed a, a USL Academy contract this year, but your sister's playing in the World Cup, man, right? She's in, she's in New Zealand and Australia doing it at that level what's it like for you, right? I mean, what, what's it like for you watching those games as well? Because I know you guys are, have always been very close and supportive. You got two younger twin brothers coming up and I'm sure they're going to be a menace on the field one day as well. We'll get to them in the next segment, but what's that like for you? I mean, give me, give me that experience having a sibling in the world cup. It's honestly the best way I could put it. It's just like, it's pride, honestly. Like I'm, I'm so proud. And from, early like from when she first started playing we've been training partners through our both through our whole youth career we've been training partners pretty much so to see her go represent herself and represent her country on the highest level is just I, I felt an unimaginable amount of just like happiness for her and I know I know how happy she felt but I, I'm just proud honestly and anyone I feel like a lot of people ask me they're like Oh, are you jealous? Your sister's playing here. I'm like, not at all, honestly. Not at all. I'm so happy for her and so happy to see her there. And it it's another level of motivation for me too. I'm like, let me, I want to get to that level too. So that's how I can describe it. Yeah. Wow, it's very well said. It's good to hear the inspiration stays within the household as well and the, and the motivation. I, I I remember watching and, and until very recently watching videos that your dad's posted on IG of you guys training and just working, you know, that to me is everything, right? Cause I think the, the, the backyard games are probably the most influential in terms of career development, right? When I think back on my own youth, I don't really think about the, and it was different back then, but I don't think about the two or three, maybe structured training sessions per week. It was more like one or two that were actually structured, I think. Um, but the rest of those days was always, in the back lot and on the grass fields behind the house and you know the the driveway and wherever where you were just mm -hmm. going at it with your sibling i have a, a brother that's three years older than me and i remember those days quite fondly and i'm sure i had many bloody elbows and knees as a result of those days but you know the that was where you developed that toughness as well because no one can give it to you like your sibling right no one can get under your skin like your sibling no one can put that pressure on you but I think you also reach a certain age and a certain part of your own maturity where you guys can then channel that in a healthy way, right? Because I'm sure there's many years where it wasn't healthy between the between the two of you and uh, and you know yeah. maybe, maybe your twin brothers are still in that phase with each other right now. I don't know, but that is that is a big part of development and and look, it's it's certainly paying off for you guys. You're supporting each other through thick and thin, and now you're both reaching a new part of your career. So so kudos to you on that. We'll we'll go to our next break, our final break here. In the last segment, we'll talk a little bit more about what's next for these two budding superstars in the game of soccer. But this is Jason Cutney. I'm here with Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Stay tuned for one final segment. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. 
Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed, and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game. The ECNL is pleased to announce Quick Goal as the official goal provider and partner for ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys, a new partnership created to support the growth and development of the country's top players, clubs, and coaches. At all national events, including national playoffs and national finals, the Quick Goal Coaches Corner will provide hospitality and social space for ECNL girls, ECNL boys, and collegiate coaches. Quick Goal will also be the presenting sponsor of the national championship winning ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys Coaches of the Year and the ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys Goals of the Year. Quick Goal looks forward to helping the ECNL continue to elevate the standards of youth soccer and provide more opportunities to players on and off the field in the coming years. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade, the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. And we are back with the final segment of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. I am here with Cameron and Nick Simmons. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about just the mindset of, of athletes to make it to the highest levels of the game and how you prepare for big moments. But we ended with how they support each other as family members. I'm actually going to bring a, a special guest onto the show here. Come on over here. So this is Quinn Cutney. So this is my daughter, Quinn. So Quinn Hello. just so she just turned six last month. She has been watching the World Cup devoutly. She watched Cameron Simmons take the field, right, in her first ever game in the World Cup for Jamaica. But Quinn wants to, to maybe ask a question as well. So let Quinn kick this one off. What advice could you give me to go in the World Cup? Oh my gosh, you are just the cutest thing ever. To answer your question, though, I would just advise that you make sure that every day you can, that you're just enjoying what you're doing, as well as putting in the necessary work. Once you get to an age where your job is solely to play, you're going to look back at when you were younger and memorize those days that, you know, you were just having fun, but also taking it serious and developing and getting better in any way that you can, whether that's going outside with your dad and juggling or just getting a ball in a wall, like all of that stuff is so, so, so important. But I think just having fun and making sure you're enjoying the moment at your age every single day, I think every year that you progress as far as an age level, like it, it's all so important. It, I think it plays a much bigger role in our development that we might think. Just live in the moment, you know, have so much fun, but also you make sure, you know, you're focused and locked in and committed to getting better. Okay. So good luck, right? Good luck. Thank you. Right, well, thank you, Quinn, for our special guest here, Quinn Cutney from making her first appearance, her debut performance Aww. on the UCNL podcast here. So we'll, we'll stay with family a little bit here. I think that one of the questions that we were talking about during the break was the nerves involved in the game. Controlling nerves is a big part of being a successful athlete or business person or whatever, right? But the question really is when you're watching each other, 
how do those nerves play into it, right? So Cameron, when you're watching Nick, you know that Nick's going through a phase of his career that you went through, which is trying to mm -hmm. get notice of college coaches. How nervous are you when you see Nick step on the field, when he gets a tuck and the ball comes to him when he's, when he's in on goal? Talk us through those moments. I, in all honesty, I feel zero nerves at all for Nicholas because unlike me, Nicholas is very stable in his emotions, I guess you could say. Like he never, I don't think that he lets the moments kind of get to him. And that's something that I really do admire in him. Um, I definitely struggled. Um, I had to talk to sports psychologists just because I the pressure kind of, it would get to me and it would definitely affect my play. And obviously for me to play at the highest level that I want to play at, but, um, being able to really level those emotions and be able to deal with it is something very important. But for Nicholas, like, I just know that he puts on his game face and that's something that I think that every time he goes on the field, he knows exactly what he needs to do. Um, he knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses, even though I believe there are way more strengths than weaknesses. But something that he is just so incredible at is always being able to be locked in. I mean, that is so, I mean, watching him play in the Nationals with ECNL and then even now that he's with the kickers, like his adjustment, he's able to just go right on to, like as soon as he touches the field he's on and that is why like I don't ever feel any nerves for him I just know that he's going to go out there and do what he needs to do and he's going to bring it every single time so me personally I don't feel nerves I don't know how he feels but he's definitely experienced my you know emotional moments um which I think is a part of it as well so Nick you had to be nervous you had to be nervous when she touched the field in her first game for Jamaica you had to be nervous come on let's hear it Always from watching her game from young, I can say ECNL, when she was playing ECNL, low nerves. Because every time she stepped on the field, I could, from U17, I feel like she was a step ahead of everyone. And I feel like Cameron, she put on like, she has like this killer mode and she just picks up the ball and she goes the whole game. And Every game, I knew she was gonna do that because she did that consistently every game. So low nerves there. But I think the first time I did experience it is when she came on for Panama. And I was, she came on against Panama and I don't even know how to describe it. My mom was next to me. She was almost in tears. She didn't even know why, she just didn't know. But I, I was just hoping that I was hoping that she got her first touch clean because I know sometimes you mess up your first touch that could ruin your whole time on the pitch. But after she got that first touch, I think I kind of I kind of eased up a little bit. She kept possession a couple of times. I was like, OK, but before that, I, I was definitely nervous for her on how it was going to go. And especially when when she got tackled from behind, like inside the box and she was holding her ankle, I thought it looked bad, but she got up. So. Listen, I, I was nervous for her when she stepped on the field. I, I have no reason to be nervous other than the, my relationship with your dad, but I was nervous. So I'm sure you were nervous. I Listen, your mom welling up and crying. I'm sure your dad was crying. I'm sure your dad was crying in that moment as well. But it's it's cool to hear. It's cool to hear kind of the, you know, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are either players within the league, parents of children within the league, referees, college coaches, whatever, right? There's a lot of people that are connected to this game that can relate in many ways to what you're talking about now, more so than relating to a child playing in the World Cup, right? 
it's it's very rare to have a situation like that or, or a 16 year old playing professional soccer right that's not normal right so you guys are very weird in the, in the sense of uh what is normal in this world right who knows what's normal in this world anymore but you are in a situation where people can relate to what you're talking about now right they can relate to you guys training and helping push each other the way that your dad and mom have helped kind of groom you to be adults and, and soccer players mm -hmm. as well so take that a little bit further how do you how do you guys pay it forward for your younger brothers now i've i've heard i don't know the twins yet I can only imagine though, with the runway that they have coming into this game, seeing what you guys have done and, and just being in that household. I've heard one is very much like you, Cam, and one is very much like you, Nick. How are you kind of paying it forward with them? Uh, let's, let's start with you on that one, Nick. You're the big brother. How are you doing? I always push them. I try not to let them get satisfied. In terms of training, they're not really they're getting there and they're definitely ahead of their competition and their age, but they're not really there where we're like, I'm a hundred percent giving them everything in training, but I, I'd never, I don't never let, them, let them win. You never let them win. Don't you? No. no, never, never. I never, mind. yeah. Never let them when never let them get anything easy and grant the one you said is kind of like cameron he is he's faster than everyone right now he's stronger and i feel like it is kind of my job to make sure that you're not always going to be faster than everyone you're not always going to be stronger than everyone so i always i let him feel it a little bit because he needs to be he needs to be technical he needs to be crafty and shifty to be able to beat defenders because there's he's going to face some big defenders, some fast defenders. So I just want to let him get that side. And then Kai, I, I just try and he's a little like me in the sense where I used to just be the guy who kind of floated around in the middle, was always technical, would shoot from far, play through balls, 20, 30 yards. I try and get in a Kai's head that he can't just stroll, that he has to be active. He has to be dynamic. He has to be winning tackles. He has to be up and down sprinting. So that's what I try and implement in them. Kevin, I got, I got it. Are you harder on your younger brothers than Nick? Like who, who's bringing the edge when they're talking to these boys? Well, honestly, I think it's, it's a little bit different because obviously them being able to have an older sister and brother playing um, at the level that we're at. I mean, I think just them as boys, they're going to look to their older brother, especially someone as Nicholas's size, like even still, he's kind of bigger than the kids that he plays against. So, I mean, I'm sure that they're just in awe of Nicholas. Um, and, you know, I obviously, for me, it's a little bit different. I mean, I think... For me, I just want to ensure to them that they are always staying level and always staying humble and just realizing like the resources that they do have, even though they are young. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm like, you guys need to understand this, this and this. No, like I just want them to know, you know, they talk about having big dreams and wanting to go far with this game as well. And so just just for them to see Nicholas and I do you know, what, what we've been able to accomplish. Like, I hope that just kind of gives them an extra push, like, okay, you know, we really can do this. And I also want to set an example, like every day when, when we go train together or whenever they see me play on TV, like I always have that in the back of my head, like my little brothers are watching Nicholas included, you know, I have to be able to, you know, represent and just always put in my best, best effort because that's, that's what it takes. I mean, just to get, to the highest level 
you know, you always have to be on and ready for whatever battle, you know, is to come and whatever challenge is to come. So for me, I just, it, it is harder now that I'm in college um, and they're joining ECNL for the first time this year. And I am not going to be able to, you know, obviously make a lot of their games. But for me, I just, I want to make sure that they're just enjoying every moment, but also taking it very serious. And I think that's where Nicholas comes in. Like, making sure that they stay level-headed and understand what it still takes. And like Nicholas said, the boys, they might be taller than their, te their teammates and their competition right now, but there's going to come a day where everyone's going to be on the same le like physically. So um, that's when the technical ability becomes super, super important. And, you know, as kids, I think that kind of gets away sometimes. Like it definitely would have gotten away from me if that wasn't what my dad did and what Nicholas and just the environment around me was so important in my development, just to remind me of how important the technical side of it is. But for them, yeah, I just, I want to be that big sister. I want to be that role model because I think we're definitely going into a new era now where little boys can look up to female players um, just as a part of their game and even saying that Grant and I play similarly like I think that is kind of deep in a sense because you know not a lot of times are the men's and women's game compared and they're not a lot of similarities but um but no I just I take my role very seriously as a big sister and you know as a soccer player well uh, talk about that a little bit more I mean the, the women's world cup this year for me has been kind of uh an unveiling of a lot of new nations that have stepped yes. up. Now, you know, the U.S. has had a head start in many yes. respects when it comes to yes. you know, being a footballing nation for soccer players. But what has that experience told you of being in, in New Zealand and Australia? I mean, just seeing the run of some of these teams, including Jamaica, and what you've been mm -hmm. able to do, you know, look at Nigeria, look at other nations that have kind of yep. stepped out and, and come out of their groups and have done it in resounding fashion. I mean, to me, it's it's great it's a great thing now many u.s fans will say well you know boo-hoo the u.s lost mm -hmm. what happened well they just won two world cups in a row so it's not you know that's not that's not yeah. too hard right now right they're, they're still going to be that nation that finds its way but what was that experience like for you to kind of see not just through your, your own lens of being on the jamaican team but seeing mm -hmm. new nations pop up all of a sudden that were making a run that no one expected Right. And I, and I just think like that just shows how the women's game is growing because for so many years, kind of the same teams were dominant, the same teams were winning, um, the same top players were known. And when you think of women's soccer, it was the same players over the years that people were kind of talking about. So I just love that now players are now able to make a name for themselves um, on the national stage and um, showing their abilities. And even as nations that people, you know, didn't ever think that, you know, women probably even played there. I mean, look at Morocco, like that's them making it that them making it out the group was amazing. And just for us as Jamaica to be a very small country and knowing, you know, the challenge that we face to prepare for this and to be able to do what we did while also watching other huge upsets that no one would have thought would happen. Like that just gives me the push for the future because I mean just experiencing this it has just given me all the more drive to just continue to push and to push and to push because four years you know times like it, it's going to be even bigger by that time so you know I just think it's a huge testament and I just to how the game is growing especially on the women's side that's been amazing I think the you know I, I always think about it also from a 
you, you mentioned before that you know, young boys can look up to female players, right? Of course. And, and I think in many ways there's, there's, it's outside the lines of the field as well. It's just the, the psyche of athletes in general, of who makes it and, you know, why Serena Williams was Serena Williams for so many years. You know, when you, when you dive in and you try to read and, and watch and understand the psyche of athletes that have made it at the highest levels of the game, it doesn't matter whether, you know, you're, you're this, that, from this place, from that place, believe in this, believe in that. It comes down to a lot of times inspiration and motivation and that brought me to the kind of the last piece here. When I was talking to your dad, Nick, we talked earlier in this in this program here about your kind of rise up through the ranks of Richmond United and or Richmond kickers and strikers up to Richmond United, and you know obviously now with the USL team as well. But he brought up uh, Gabe, your coach, and you know I think one of the things that he said was just Gabe believed in him, right? And this goes back to a tryouts a few years ago because I know you you for a couple of years in a row you didn't make that top team within Richmond. And then Gabe, that, that comment of Gabe believed in him. And now you look at that trajectory of where you've made made it now. Like talk about that. Because I think when you're when you're a young player, sometimes just having a coach believe in you and, and express that support in a in a way that you haven't heard before is kind of the only spark that you need. But has has Gabe been that figure in your life so far in your youth career? Gabe has played a massive role in my career. And big shout out to Gabe Cologne, because I remember from that young age, being upset about not being at the level I wanted to be at. And there was a lot of coaches from there that didn't believe in me. And Gabe came in, was a new coach that year, saw me and immediately just said, yeah, he, he deserves to be here. And he believed in me. A lot of coaches thought I was too slow, too, too this, too casual, but Gabe believed in my potential enough to realize that I could flourish at the, this level. So I, I, I can't thank him enough for that. And that really was a spark that ignited, um, ignited that new type, that new sort of drive for me. I think that was definitely a switch in my career where I, where I would just completely double down, started giving, 100% effort in training day in and day out, doing as much as I could, doing extra. And then, yeah, and then had two different coaches the next year. So I had a different coach, U15, and then a different coach, U16, which was um, Will Bates, U15, and Ivan Militar, U16, both top coaches. Um, they've gone on to different clubs now. And then Gabe came back for the U17 year and, and still, like, just still believed in me, played me in my favorite position, always just just helped me along, just always giving me feedback and wanting me to succeed. And we ended up winning the national championship. So I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest thanks I could give back to a coach is helping him to a national championship. So Amen to that. Gabe, Gabe was, you know, I got to know him this year. There was, as you mentioned, a few changes within Richmond United's coaching staff. Gabe was one of those presents, you know, a guy that came in with a presence that he's, he seems very relaxed, very, you know, easygoing, very, very polite, very nice. Um, but just one of those guys that you can tell the players respond to him. You can tell that they feel comfortable playing for him. Uh, and a lot of times, the difference between a player playing tight or a player playing relaxed and confident is the demeanor of the coach, right? And the, and the way they interact with their players. Um, I'm going to stay with Psyche. 
kind of one final question before we wrap things up here. I'll go back to you, Cameron, because interested. I, I know we have a lot of listeners that are female players within the ECNL. Female players commit to college earlier, right? It's, yeah. it's just the nature of the game and the way the, the recruitment world works in this country. But you had a very sudden change before you got to Tennessee where there was a coaching change, right? So you have a coach that recruits you and, and in many ways infuses that belief in you that you're going to be a big part of their program. And, you know, you, when you commit to a college, you commit to the coach in many ways as yeah. well. So psychologically, I think what I'm interested in where I'm getting with this is, you know, that happens just months before you're going to Tennessee, right? Yeah. And that's, I'm sure, a, a world-stopping thing in your life, right? An, an announcement that you were not expecting. Who helped you through that as you got ready to go to college? Yeah, so I would just say, you know, my parents definitely helped me just to stay leveled because I'm I'm sure for everyone who kind of gets that news, like, it's like, okay, like, okay, now we have to kind of consider some things. We have to ask some important questions. Like what's next? Do we, you know, we obviously need to look out for ourselves in this because I think another thing about that huge change was, okay, I had also gotten really close with the assistant coaches and the entire coaching staff. Does this mean that everyone's going to be gone? And that was a huge question um, and concern for me because, you know, obviously committing to a program that I fell in love with um, with the coaches and, you know, was able to experience on an official visit. If the whole coaching staff kind of changes, you can probably expect that the entire team dynamic would change a little bit. But um, I think just the communication that was held within, you know, the coaching staff that was there as well as my parents, like, I know we had a, we had a huge zoom call with all of us incoming freshmen, just so we could answer um we could get some answers to the questions that we had, but I think honestly, just trusting the process was the biggest thing. Um, and weighing my options, talking to a ton of people, whether that was family, friends, or, you know, girls that were already on the team, kind of seeing where their head was at. But it definitely gave me comfort that that year that I was going in, even after the announcement, no one, you know, was planning on leaving. And so that kind of, that definitely helped with, you know, ease that you know stress a little bit it's clear through this that you guys have been raised the right way you're extremely mature in the way that you approach things i know that's because of the parenting that uh, your mom nicole and your dad greg have, have provided for you you know greg was you guys were you know we're not really there or here yet but when I came into the pros, Greg was a veteran, right? That's my, my way of saying he's old. Uh, but he was a veteran when I stepped on the scene. And as a young player, it means a lot to have kind of that veteran put his arm around you. And that was a big arm for your dad. But, you know, he he put that arm around me and really kind of helped me relax and, and mm -hmm. play, focus on things at the pro level. And when I scored my first pro goal, I ran and jumped into his arms, right? And I just remember that, like, because that's like that moment as a, as a player, you remember those moments, right? You don't remember everything, but you remember those types of moments. And, you know, you can see why you two are where you are in your careers as a result of that. And, and you know, obviously your mom has been a, a big part of that and, and the family in general has been a big part of that. But I wish you guys all the best of, of luck. I mean, this was a banner, banner year. Uh, this was the year of the Simmons, as I said to your dad. And I hope that continues forward. You know, Cameron, I wish you the best of luck with the Women's World Cup team. You're young yeah. enough to see that a few more times, which will, will be a tremendous opportunity for you. Nick, you've got a lot in front of you. I just saw you play through some big games in the ECNL this year. 
through the conference cup. I know the college coaches are already chattering about you because I've heard it, but this is what it's all about, right? You guys are both in the primes of your lives right now. I wish you the absolute best of luck as you go forward. Keep tight, keep supporting each other, be nervous for each other when, when it, uh, when it dictates, but always be supportive as you have. I wish you guys all the best in your, in your careers. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. Jason, it was a pleasure being on. All right, and this is Jason Cutney. This has been ECNL Breaking the Line, our ECNL podcast with two budding superstars here, Cameron and Nick Simmons. And this is Dean Linky saying thank you to Jason Cutney and Quinn Cutney for a wonderful interview with two wonderful human beings and big-time soccer players in Cameron and Nick Simmons. I also want to thank Andrea Wheeler, Christian Lavers, and all the great people at the ECNL. Got to thank our producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.